the Irish Times Inside Business Podcast, in association with EY, building a better working world. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. Shortly, I'll be asking John Moran of commercial real estate agents, JLL, if we have reached peak office in Dublin, given the recent retrenchment of the tech sector. And Una Fitzpatrick, Director of Technology Ireland at IBEC, joins me in the second half of the show to discuss the recent spate of tech job cuts. Are there more to come? And what impact will these cuts have on the wider Irish economy? But first, the commercial property. After a few strong years of investment, there is now evidence of a slowdown in the Dublin office market. There are two factors at play, the switch to hybrid working and the recent retrenchment of the tech sector. Earlier, John Moran, Chief Executive of Leading Real Estate Agent, JLL Ireland, joined me by phone to tease out whether or not we've reached peak office. Here we go. John Moran, thank you for joining us. Now, just this morning in the commercial property section of the Irish Times, we were reporting that Intercom, which is an Irish tech company, is going to sublet about half of its uh, space in a new office block that it's uh, that it's occupying. And we've heard recently also about uh, Facebook uh, and indeed about uh, LinkedIn pulling back on uh, their office space needs in Dublin city centre. And of course, we've had this move towards uh, hybrid working. And so everybody's wondering what the future of the office is, and particularly in light of the fact that tech firms are now retrenching um, because they obviously have been um, some of the biggest spenders in the office market over the last uh, number of years. I think there's a couple of things at play here. First and most important, and I think as everybody has uh, slightly lost their ability to understand history and time, We're actually only nine months since the government actually announced restrictions being fully lifted. So one of the things that we're seeing is that the return to the office, companies are still grappling with it. What we're undoubtedly sure of is that we will see hybrid working here for the long term. And it looks to us that 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 ultimately will settle down to perhaps maybe three days a week in the office. But that's sort of combined with the tech slowdown. The fall off in their profitability has obviously led them to look to reduce their space. So you're correct. There's uh, quite a lot of great, uh, what we would describe as gray space coming into the market at the moment, which is space that's either available for subleasing or for assignment. Of that, of the total vacancy in Dublin at the moment, about 1.8 million square feet of that is is available for sublease. Now, we, we look at every building and we estimate that a, probably about a million square feet of that would be regarded by us as extremely difficult to let. So reality is uh, there's maybe just under a million square feet of what we would say is good quality grade A space, like uh, you mentioned in the Irish Times this morning, brand new building uh, built to the highest sort of sustainability standards, uh, where we still think there's pretty strong tenant demand. The market changed last year, 2019, 2020, 2021, we have been heavily reliant on tech. There's huge expansion, um, and I think as all the tech companies have admitted, they probably over-allocated for growth, and now they've pulled back and are probably pulling back to 2019 levels uh, in total. But last year, there was actually more activity from the business and finance sector than there was from tech. There was one-third of all the leases were business and finance. So the market is balanced. But that being said, we're not uh, putting our heads in the sand. There is going to be quite a lot of grey space out there, which inevitably does influence how the market will behave. So that's a million square feet out of what total, John? 
Total vacancy in the city at the moment is 6.3 million square feet. 6.3 million. And of that, you're saying about a million is what what you would consider good quality sort of grade A uh, space. Exactly. Right. Available for sublease. So of the other five point odd uh, million, what, what kind of space are we talking about? And what's the future for that kind of uh, office accommodation? I think the, the, the future for grade A, good quality uh sustainable space is pretty good. We're seeing, there's a great buzzword in the industry at the moment, we're seeing bifurcation, uh, which is effectively tenants saying, we will only occupy high quality, high caliber space that sort of aligns itself to their own sort of CR standards. So I think you're probably going to see grade B space struggling. Uh, So inferior space, space that really can't be converted to better quality, uh, inferior located space. Location is still extremely important in any real estate decision. Uh, And some of that space inevitably will become stranded. Um, You'll see a brand discount being applied to it, both from a capital value and rental value terms. So people who have lots of older office stock have got a lot lot of work on their hands. So the the 6 million or so uh, square feet that are uh, currently vacant, what percentage of the overall total of office space in Dublin does that represent? That's about 13%. 13%, okay. Yeah. And historically, is that a high figure or low or is it somewhere in the middle? How does it compare? Somewhere in the middle, just to give, give you context. Uh, 2009, it was 17%. Uh, 2010, the same. Got as high as 19%. 2011, fell as low as 5% in 2016. So okay. it's a little bit higher and more elevated than we'd like it to be. We, we like to see a market with a vacancy rate of about 10%. That's generally where you have a reasonable balance between both landlord and occupant. So since 2016 in percentage terms, it's doubled? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And what are the reasons um, for that, John? Obviously, we have the pandemic, but is it because more office space has significantly more office space has come into the market? Uh, and displace maybe some of this older brownfield stuff that you're talking about, or, or are there other reasons? Yeah, there, there's a couple of things. The the city's grown. Uh, the the office market size has grown, so uh, we've added uh, quite a, quite a significant amount of space in the last few years. And, and normally, what would happen in a in a mature market, and Dublin's a pretty mature office market, you would have a scenario where. New buildings would get built, older buildings get left behind. What we had during the sort of the tech explosion in particular was they were they were just occupying everything new that was being built, taking very, very large floor areas. So some of the some of the transactions that happened are historically extremely, extremely large in the context of the Dublin market. So that has slowed down. So as a consequence, the you're not seeing those large volume deals in in the same numbers. So it will just take longer for that space to be occupied. But on average, over, over the last 10 years, the, the, the market usually takes up about 2.5 million square feet per annum. So what we're looking at at the moment is roughly two years' supply. Right. And what about the pipeline of new commercial developments, uh, new office developments that have received planning permission, they've dug the hole in the ground, they're putting the first blocks in place, or maybe, you know, the, um, they're, they're on to internal fit-outs. How much, how much of that have we got uh, in the pipe? Pipeline at the moment is not huge. So you've got quite a significant amount of space uh, that's reserved as well. So there's about 680,000 square feet already pre-committed, okay? which will be built and occupied. And then in terms of further delivery this year, 
you're looking at maybe about 2.3 million square feet due for completion this 2. year. 2.3 million, wow. And uh, that 2.3 yep. million is, is, is the 680,000 uh, part of that 2.3 million? Primarily, Okay, is, so yes. we'll say about a third thereabouts. Um, so two thirds yep. is not as yet less or, or occupied or, you know, no agreement Correct. in place. So that's a huge chunk of office space on top of what you've already said is, uh, is vacant. Uh, I would I'd say it's 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 effectively two years supply, assuming demand remains uh, uh, the the way it has. Like in 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 say twenty eighteen twenty nineteen, Dublin market was doing three and a half million square feet per annum. So it doesn't actually take that long to absorb the amount of space that's out there. But if if we were looking at something like five five or six years supply or something like that, then I would be exceptionally worried. But I think what you will see is. There will be a lot of vacant space that is not fit for purpose that will remain vacant until that building is repurposed. And that's uh, that's going to be the biggest challenge for owners in the market at the moment is how are they going to actually position themselves to reposition their own buildings? Because if you're old, um, if you're not fit for purpose, it's not a question any longer of uh, can you lease it for a very low rent? You, the question is, can you lease it at all? So I think you, that that differential between grade A and grade B and C space is going to widen. And you'll you'll see that, as I said earlier, uh, play itself out in, in the value side as well. Rental values will decline in B and C. And uh, you'll also see capital values decline uh, in, in B and C space as well. Whereas with, within grade A, yes, there'll be some marginal rental declines, maybe five, six, seven, eight percent in total, but we don't see rents going much lower than that. So if you're if Dublin rents are €65 Euros, uh, a square foot today, they'll probably settle down in the in the late 50s. Late 50s, okay. So you mentioned earlier that there's over 5 million uh, square feet um, that aren't grade A, that are currently unoccupied. So what's, what's the future for, for those buildings? Um, are they going to have to be repurposed? Can offices be repurposed for, let's say, hotels or for, I don't know if we need any more shops, but uh, or for residential purposes? <laughs> Uh, it's a, we're starting to see, and uh, quite often you see a lot of our trends develop in in other countries, as as you well know. So I mean, we're starting to see in the U.S. in particular in New York, offices starting to get repurposed for residential. It's not that easy to do because you've got to uh, generally have to reglaze the buildings, put new facades in, repurpose the cores, put additional things in. So it's expensive. But I I'm guessing that in certain locations. Uh, in the medium term, I don't think it's going to happen in the short term, but in the medium term, I think you will see some repositionings. You'll always see some repositionings to hotels as well. That's that's happened before and will happen again. Uh, and those will be the two alternative uses. Um, certainly, uh, I'd agree with you. I don't think we need any more retail. Um, so we we have more than enough at the moment. Yeah, sure. And when you talk medium term, what kind of time frame is that in your mind, John? Me for me, medium term, sort of three to five years. Okay. Can I just ask, how many staff uh, does JLL uh, employ here? We have one hundred and fifty in the what we describe as the corporate business, which is uh, dealing with basically normal normal markets, and then we have a facilities management business here, which looks after people like Facebook and LinkedIn, where we have about another two hundred and. So you about three hundred and fifty, and I presume pre-pandemic, all of those yep. uh, people, all of your staff would have come to the office every day. That typically would have been, uh, maybe a few, uh, if a few Absolutely, exceptions, yeah. but that would have been the case. So how many nowadays are coming to the office? On a, on, you know, on a typical day, how many people would you have in the office? 
like every other company, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays seem to be the busiest days. So we're 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 running at about eighty percent occupancy at the eighty percent occupancy. Okay, yeah, could yeah, argue you're probably that high in comparison to other firms. I've been talking to professional services firms around town recently, and they wouldn't be getting anywhere near eighty percent. We may have a vested interest, to be fair to say. Uh, like we, that's what we do. We do a lot of offices. We're market leaders in offices. So uh, if we can't occupy them, uh, we can hardly turn around to other people and ask them to occupy them as well. So there is a degree of that involved, to be fair. What, I think to that, the point that I made right at the outset, though, like we are a little bit behind the rest of Europe and the US in terms of return to the office because our, our restrictions were so severe. So we're seeing occupancy levels in Europe at the moment at about 70%. I think on average in Dublin, we're running maybe probably about 55 to 60%, but we, we think that will catch up. And we are, anecdotally, we're hearing companies turning around to their staff now saying, you must come back in for at least three days a week. It's no longer sort of a, a choice. And I think as the labour market sort of softens a tiny bit, uh, there's maybe a little bit more of a, a stick there for employers to persuade people to come back in. But what what we're 100% certain about is hybrid working is here to stay. We had it the, long before the pandemic, actually, but it's uh, and, and there's no doubt that I think it'll settle down to to sort of that two out of five days. People will have the option to work from home if they want to. And it, it'll vary across business sector. Yeah, and your your firm is uh, is an example of this. And you have a good uh, rate, right? You have 80%. But if you get to 70%, let's say we mirror the rest of Europe and we get to 70%. So that means that uh, 30% of the time um, or 30% of the space isn't required by a, a given company or firm. So what happens to that space? Do they continue to occupy it because they have a long lease on it? Do they look to sublet it? Is there anybody who wants to sublet it? Um, or, you know, when the lease comes up, do they simply downsize? Uh, we haven't seen that play out in, in the market yet, have we? No, and it's probably a bit early to see that. I think at, at this moment in time, like uh, you'll you'll see you'll see some companies downsizing. I think it's inevitable. We we think there'll be an overall reduction in demand of somewhere between five and ten percent. Uh, a lot of the space is getting repurposed, so they're turning sort of rows and rows of desks into collaboration areas into. Uh, there's a there's a quite a swift move to building new types of spaces, new quality spaces. So it, a significant proportion of it will get repurposed. And the other thing that you have to plan for is you have to plan for the the one day of the week where you virtually have full occupancy. Um, so you you may end up having a rather inefficient use of your building, but. Uh, you don't want a scenario. I know there's a, a very large firm of accountants who told me the other day that they, they've run out of desks. So on the day that everybody comes in, there simply isn't enough room for everybody. Sure. Have we reached peak office in terms of the Dublin markets, John? I'm sure you're hoping not because uh, this is a core part of your business, right? <laughs> this is your reason for being core part of our business. No, I think I think we're I think we're in a I think we are in a in a moment of change. I think what 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 we are seeing and is is a flight to quality. So I think it and I think the quality of the office building will change. The quality of the stock will change. And property is a bit the uh, property is always very slow. Uh, it's not a, a fast and dynamic moving thing. I always describe it as it's a bit like a super tanker. It takes a long time for everything to happen. So trends will play out. I don't think the office is dead. I think it has a, it'll continue to perform its function. Uh, 
the importance of collaboration, the importance of training, the importance of people being able to talk to each other, I think sort of assures that it that it will continue to exist. But I don't think it will continue to exist in the precise format that it does today. We're inevitably going to see buildings change, multi-purpose buildings. You're going to see uses change. You're going to see, you will definitely see a lot more sort of collaboration space um, and a lot and. and the, an area that's sometimes not explored and it, it's only starting to be learned about at the moment as well is how do you how do you provide the correct type of space for people to work in at home as well that's another big issue that as a, as an employer you have to think about as well like are you going to put a desk in there are you going to put really high quality IT in there for somebody are you going to do all the bits and pieces that sort of facilitate and make it easier for them to work at home as well. And that that's a, a whole area that we're starting to look at now at the moment as well. Yeah, sure. And what about investment in the sector, John? Because I saw a note for uh, Good Buddies, Column Lauder, um, forecasting a 20% drop in the value of prime office blocks in Dublin city this year. I'm not sure if that's a, if that's a figure you recognize or you would agree with. Um, but there's no doubt that in the current high interest rate, higher interest rate environment, and you know, with a, a lot of talk of a global recession and so on, that foreign investors are probably uh, stepping back a little bit. Yeah, I think it's probably fair to say that we're going through a period of caution at the moment. Uh, there was about two and a half billion invested in offices last year in in the city. Uh, we've seen uh, yields move outwards. Um, prime yield at the at the end of Q3 last year was 4%. It's probably now four and a quarter to 4.3%. Likelihood is that it'll drift out further, uh, pro- probably out to about four and a half would be our guess. So that results in capital value declines of sort of between 10, 10 to 15%, depending on what your rent level is. I wouldn't necessarily subscribe to 20%, but I think, uh, the, again, we're not naive and we're, we operate in the investment market on a daily basis. So I think it's about a 10 to 15% fall. Uh, and we've witnessed a, a degree of that already. Mo- mo- most funds have gone backwards already over the last quarter. And just to close it out, John, a tough year this year, tough year ahead? Uh, not going to be easy. Expectation is it'll be quiet for uh, Q1, Q2, uh, particularly on the investment side. Um, and we would hope that we'd start to see a pickup in the second half of the year. And that's really what most of our clients are saying to us. They're saying, look, uh, we want to wait and see just in case there's any more shocks to the system. If there's not, assuming assuming inflation stabilizes assuming interest rate environment stabilizes a little bit they're saying to us yeah we'll be back in the market uh, to do stuff but uh, i don't anticipate the total investment volumes last year for example were over five and a half billion uh, i'd say we'll be down 20 30 40 percent on that this year john morn of jll thank you for joining us not at all thanks a million We'll take a short break now. When I return, I'll be speaking with Una Fitzpatrick of Technology Ireland about the recent spate of job cuts in the Irish tech sector. Back in a few moments. At EY, our purpose is to build a better working world. As one of Ireland's leading professional services firms, our exceptional people are at the centre of everything we do. We deploy technology at speed and innovation at scale to deliver exceptional solutions for our clients enabling them to transform and grow. To find out more, visit ey.com. Welcome back. This is Inside Business with Kieran Hancock. Google, Microsoft, Twitter, Meta and Stripe are among some of the large tech employers here to begin laying off staff late last year due to a slowdown in economies globally. 
Una Fitzpatrick is Director of Technology Ireland at IBEC and join me in studio to discuss the future of what is a hugely important sector for the Irish economy. I began by asking her to outline the size and scale of the membership in Technology Ireland. Yes, so Technology Ireland, we're a trade association within IBEC. Um, we're one of, one of the largest. Uh, we represent all technology companies from digital to manufacturers, um, services type companies. So it's a real broad mix of companies. And within that, then we also represent um, FTI um, technology companies as well as indigenous technology companies. In terms of our membership, we're over 270 companies. Um, and it's it's everything from uh, startups to, to, to the largest companies in, in, in the country. So presumably the big names like Google, yes. Meta, Twitter, etc. They'd all be part of your group. Okay, so 270 member companies. How many employees in total? That's a hard one to call. Um, I think it's in, in excess of, like, for the, the overall technology sector, we're, we're, we're looking at it in, in, in excess of 130,000. I suppose in terms of my membership, it would be a strong proportion of that. I don't think we've ever done a, a full calculation, but uh, we're pretty pretty much most of the industry is in, in memory. All right, so probably 100,000 yeah. plus or oh, yeah. thereabouts. Okay, so we have seen now in recent weeks and months, most of the big companies and some of the indigenous companies as well come out and announce uh, job cuts uh, of varying scales and people are wondering um, what this means for the Irish economy. So, I mean, for your membership, presumably some of those 100 plus jobs have been shed and others are going to be shed in the coming weeks because we know that the likes of Google, for example, is in a consultation uh, period, period with yeah. employees now after after announcing uh, globally that it's going to cut jobs and a lot of jobs based in Ireland, I think it's about 7,000 or so. So how many jobs do you reckon last year were, were shed in the Irish tech sector? It's, it's a very hard number to put a figure on because there's so much growth at the same time within the sector. Um, so even companies where, you know, in, in the unfortunate cases where they're having to announce redundancies at the same time, in certain parts of the business, they're still growing. So really what we're seeing at the moment is companies who um, are reviewing their be it product line or the, the base of, of, of products that they're, that they're developing and really kind of evaluating, you know, what's working, what's not. Um, so overall, the, the numbers aren't aren't, you know, they're obviously significant and for, for people who have obviously been made redundant, it's 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 very concerning. We've seen over the last four years um, about a 43% growth in the numbers within the tech sector. So if we look at the um, CSO labour force data from, I think, Q2 2018, it was something like 115,000 employees in mm. the ICT sector. Uh, if we look at 2022 Q2 data, that's up at 165. So, you know, a very kind of, it's a 50,000 growth, uh, 43% growth over, over those four years. Um, so what we're seeing now really, I think overall is maybe, if I had to put a number on it, probably around 5%. Um, but again, that's, it's not an exact science. Five, 5% cut? Approximately in terms okay. of, of the numbers coming so if we, down. So if we work off 165,000, a 5% cut is roughly speaking, it's a little over 8,000 uh, people. Now I think the CSO data is actually suggesting, now maybe they're calculating it in a slightly different way, but yeah. they're suggesting that I think in Q3... Was it 11,000 uh, jobs had been lost in the ICT sector? It's, yeah, it, it all depends on, I suppose, which way you, you categorise the sector. Um, so there's the NACE codes, which is is one one way of doing it. But there's also then, if you look at um, technology and services as a sector, it's actually much broader. And you'd be looking at, um, you know, total jobs in that of being in excess of 250,000. So it's depending on which way you categorise it, the, the numbers are going to be slightly different. OK, but even 8,000, it's a lot. It is a lot, but then at the same time, you, you're seeing a lot of growth within the sector. So, huge number of my members 
member companies are still growing, especially on the Indigenous side. We've seen 8% growth in terms of EI um, clients, in terms of their um, technology and services division, in terms of their growth. So, you know, I, I suppose what we're trying to do is counteract the, the maybe narr- any narrative that, you know, the tech sector is in free fall. Um, you know, over the last three years, particularly during COVID, we saw 30% growth. Um, what we're seeing now is perhaps a correction to a more... Um, sustainable long-term growth path. So where we're still seeing growth, it's just, you know, in some cases, maybe they overshot that growth and they need to pull back slightly. Um, but at the same time, you know, companies even who had unfortunately had redundancies um, just a couple of months ago are also then now beginning to look at new hires and, and new areas of the business for investment. So I always say, you know, these things are Unfortunately, they are cyclical and we haven't really seen redundancies in the tech sector since about 2010. So it has been a really stable sector um, for the last 10 plus years. And what we're seeing now is somewhat of a a slight correction, um, but still huge growth. um, And I think in areas of of development like AI, you know, there's this huge need for that kind of specialised skills base. So, you know, it's definitely been the case that um, it's been a mix of roles where redundancies have occurred. Um, but I suppose what we're trying to avoid is that maybe there's any sort of brain drain within the sector and really want to kind of still encourage people to, to choose it. Um, tech skills obviously are ubiquitous across all sectors. So in terms of those who may be picking CSO, uh, CSO or, uh, you know, C- CAO uh courses at the moment that, you know, tech skills can be used across all sectors and are very valuable skills to have. Yeah, sure. But I, I wonder, I mean, the government has been saying, Leo Radker um, said recently that he's, he expects more uh, job cuts in the tech sector. Mm-hmm. There is a suggestion that there might be a, another wave of uh, cuts from the big multinationals, uh, not just in Ireland, but globally as well, that this this might only be the beginning of it as they seek to protect their, their bottom line. And obviously, the tech sector is very important to us here in terms of our corporate tax revenues. Good buddy stockbrokers saying that this is a big, a big concern now um, that our corporate tax revenues could be under threat as a result of uh, tech companies having to scale back um, and income taxes as well, because these people are generally very well paid. So, if eight thousand jobs went last year of very well paid uh, people, that obviously has a knock-on effect um, in in terms of our income tax receipts. I suppose we haven't seen that come true yet. But maybe we will. I, I, I just wonder um, how IBEC views or Technology Ireland views the threat to the Irish exchequer receipts as a result of all of these thousands of jobs being cut. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's definitely a concern. Um, I think in terms of the kind of sectoral mix that we have within Ireland, obviously there is um, a very strong presence of the tech sector here. Um, and that's something that obviously we advocate for and, and promote. Um, but I suppose we're, we're also you know, in the mix with the likes of the pharma and the med tech sectors. Um, so I suppose in terms of, of from an overall Ireland Inc. perspective, um, there's still, you know, very strong kind of growth rates within within tech itself, but also within, within the other sectors. Um, I think in terms of, you know, long-term prospects, it's it's really hard to call. I think what we, we've said, you know, we're not even trying to do a prediction really to the end of the year. We're just looking at really the next six months um, with companies. Um, and I suppose global inflationary pressures are, you know, particularly of, of, of concern. Um, I suppose we're hearing that maybe there is some stabilisation from a US and Europe um, perspective on on inflation, and that would be positive. Um, I suppose what we, as the tech sector, we are, you know, in terms of other sectors, they're 
you know, provider of services. So um, for other sectors that maybe have said, oh, during this period, we're going to hold off on any major investment in our digitalization strategies, etc., what we really want to see is that investment start to pick up again and sure. people, I suppose you need to have confidence, there needs to be confidence in the market for people to make those investment decisions and again, we you know, we did see during COVID there was you know, a, a huge increase within, within the sector you know, that's settled somewhat um, but I think there's still a way to go, there's still a lot of digitalization that has to happen across a lot of sectors, be it from manufacturing, retail, etc. Um, so there's, there's still huge capacity for the tech sector to grow. I don't think this is a you know, it's 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 not a curve that's just going down. I no, technology is not yeah. going away. But let's take uh, those next six months. Uh, what are your forecasts for the next six months? How do you think it's going to go? I think it's 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 going to be difficult. I I don't have a clear steer in terms of you know there's going to be X percent um, losses or growth. Um, it's it's. It's, and it's very varied across the sector. So we're seeing, um, you know, growth in terms of, of certain companies um, and certain parts of the sector. Um, you know, probably, you know, some of the platforms, um, you know, it's a diff- difficult time. There's a lot of competition in the market. Um, so we're we're seeing, you know, activity there. Obviously, shareholders are, you know, ultimately putting pressure on companies to reduce their bottom lines. Um, so that's having an impact as well. Um, but I suppose... You know, security of um, supply and delivery of supply is going to be important to companies as well. So we're we're also seeing a, a pushback from companies on on that regard. So both things come into play. I do think there will be, I think, within the next six months, a sort of leveling out um, of of some of their their. I suppose push to to reduce cost and and lean out um some, some divisions um I think some of those decisions are kind of being they're being made swiftly um and I think hopefully by June we'll have a clearer sight in terms of you know the the kind of prospects for the rest of the year. Yeah, it has a ripple effect obviously because if we look at the office market uh, story in the Irish Times this morning about Intercom looking to sublet half of its space in its new office. It's I mean, it's a big number, and uh, we see Facebook and LinkedIn recently pulling back um, in terms of the amount of space that they're going to look to occupy in uh, new offices that are being built for them. So, uh, huge ripple effect there. I wonder of the eight thousand. Do you, do you have any sense of how many of those are Irish workers and how many, let's say, are foreign nationals, and whether um, the, the foreign nationals within that grouping? Are they moving to other markets? Uh, because we're told it's a very mobile labour force. So are they going elsewhere? Are they uh, leaving Ireland for, for jobs elsewhere? Or are they continuing to look for jobs here? Yeah, no, it's a hugely mobile um, international tech talent. Um, we're, we don't have, in terms of... Uh, Exit data, um, huge indications that that people are, are leaving en masse. Um, I think because there is such a strong indigenous tech sector here that is actively hiring, that's very attractive to people because, as you say, you know, where these you know, losses are happening, they're happening on a global level. So it's not necessarily that we're the only, you know, show in town that's uh, unfortunately where where this is happening. This is happening right across the board. Um, So I think it is a strength and it's something we've been trying to highlight that there are huge opportunities that exist here. Um, Vacancies right across a huge number of of Indigenous technology companies. Um, And that's, that's, I suppose, a a positive. And we've actually been working with members, kind of a bit of uh, matchmaking. So if we hear um, of, of, you know, say a company and say, you know, they're, they're, they're maybe shutting down a division um, we'll know then or will we know that company are looking for a kind of similar skills and we can kind of help with introductions and, and, and do some of that. So that's been really positive to see that as an industry itself, um, it's been really reaching out and, and supporting its people and I suppose supporting the Indigenous companies who they know have been looking for some of this talent for some time. 
it was particularly hard during the pandemic for for some of our indigenous members to to hire. Um, competition mm. was was absolutely rife. Um, so in in some of those cases now they're they're kind of being able to you know get the kind of top talent that they really were looking for. What positions are being cut at the minute? Um, is it you know engineers? Is it coders, programmers, whatever? Or is it uh, recruiters, HR people, back office admin? Yeah, it's it's a real mix. I mean, probably more predominantly maybe some of the the operation side um, of the business, both from the business development and the HR and recruitment side. Um, obviously, if there are certain product lines um, being discontinued or projects that were being worked on, there may be. It's definitely the smaller scale on the specialized skills and engineering front. Um, I suppose those. Those skills are so valuable for companies that um, you know they're they're really holding on to that as much as they can. Now we heard um, we've heard over the years about the benefits packages that are in place for a lot of workers in the tech sector. And if you're not in the tech sector, it sounds uh, quite attractive. You know, you've uh, food more or less on tap the whole time, and there's all sorts of uh, facilities uh, available to you in the offices. Um, they're, they're occupying some of the best offices in the city, uh, and so forth. So, just wondering if those perks, if you like, are going to continue to be offered or whether they're part of the cost culling as well? I've heard nothing to indicate that. Um, I mean, from our membership, generally, the, the strive is always to be best in class. Um, you know, from, from across the membership, everyone is always working towards, you know, what measures do I need to have in order to nurture, uh, attract and retain the, the best talent? Um, so, you know, I think that will remain a feature within the sector that, um, you know, some of those advantages. And again, it's not ubiquitous across the sector either. Um, everyone has slightly different models. Um, but, you know, I, in terms of overall kind of packages, um, the tech sector has generally always kind of led the way in terms of the the the, the benefits and uh, perks offered to employees. Is this going to change the dynamic in terms of the return to office? Um, because there were a lot of people working for tech companies. You know, you were here anecdotally; they didn't want to go back to the office, or not much anyway. Um, but the bosses wanted them back in the office. So, just wondering whether you know, with the threat of job cuts uh, hanging over them, this this empowers uh, the companies somewhat. Well, to be honest with you, most of the companies that actually come out with pretty clear um, guidance in terms of what they were doing globally on this kind of last summer, um, and especially by September, everyone pretty much had a policy in place. We would have surveyed our members and been able to see very much that. I think Elon Musk ripped all that up, though, when he took over Twitter. Well, I think he wants the, everybody back in the office well, full time. Yeah, that's maybe not a case to, to measure the rest of the industry by. But I think on the whole, um, we, we had seen by last September that most of the companies had very kind of clear policies in place, be it two or three days working from the office. Um, and again, you know, there was wasn't really any any issue with that in terms of uh, from an employee mix perspective. I think, you know, there was a business case there for it, you know, supports were put in place to, to kind of you know, help employees and uh, make sure they felt safe and comfortable. Um, but but overall, that has worked pretty seamlessly. The feedback from members is it's going well. People are coming in the two or three days a week um, that they're required to. Um, obviously, some issues may have arisen if people had moved location during the pandemic. Um, and then in those cases, people can apply tend to be fully remote in their roles. And obviously, that's, that's a different process. But for the kind of employee experience as a whole, I suppose we saw a lot of people who hired during the pandemic and they said there was a bit of a disconnect there if you were maybe hired remotely and actually they felt more kind of part of the company and part of the culture when they actually kind of got into the office met their colleagues and got to kind of engage in in kind of you know face-to-face sessions yeah it might be a good thing that the technology sector is slowing down and that we're seeing job cuts not on an individual level obviously because you don't like to see anybody it's not a pleasant experience to lose your job um and you got everybody's got bills to pay but 
technology workers, let's face it, are being blamed for pushing up rents. Um, they are being blamed for, you know, having a disproportionate impact on the property market in Dublin in, in particular. Um, and uh, anybody who's looking to get on the property market or looking to uh, rent as well, you, you know, they might be happy to see that tech jobs are being cut and they might actually face a chance now of, of getting into the market. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's probably a kind of cynical way to look at it, but um, I think what we're seeing now is more people being able to um, a both work remotely, but obviously be able to do do hybrid working, which may facilitate them not having to be kind of as a city centre based. But you know, Dublin as a city is still a key attractor in terms of trying to get in that kind of mobile tech talent from you know uh, overseas. So I think Dublin as a city, and you know, other regional hubs like Cork or or Limerick or Galway are always going to be important in terms of the kind of the work life balance that they offer to that international talent. Um, and I suppose that would be you know something that we would kind of emphasize as being important you know when people look at where they're going to consider their their kind of next tech career that they want to work somewhere vibrant and you know that has an active um you know nightlife or you know entertainment uh, scene um that there is stuff to do um which you know i suppose would be concerning if that then dropped as well so it's it's all part of that kind of you know experience economy which um you know we we've always been very vocal on that you know People don't just come to, to Dublin or to Ireland or, or anywhere in the country to, to, to work and, and not do anything else. They want to become part of, of the wider society. And I think it's important that we kind of remember that and try and encourage it as, as much as possible. And presumably these companies, the big companies in particular, the Googles, the Facebooks, uh, etc., um, they have to maintain substantial operations, operations of substance here to benefit from the 12.5% corporate tax rate. Well, I mean, they, they absolutely have um, operations of substance. Um, any of the, the, the large companies here, they still employ thousands of people. They're still hugely committed to Ireland. Um, you know, I definitely in terms of, and I know the headline figures can can sound very concerning, um, but if, if there's a headline figure... You know, it's really about trying to find out at the local level, and we're still at early stages on a number of these. What that will mean in the local context, and it's it's probably you know still more manageable then. And in 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 a company where let's say you've got eight thousand employees, there's still going to be well over seven thousand employees still based there. So there's still huge substance there, and still huge activity happening there. Yeah, and as a, a group that represents employers, how do you feel about? The brutal nature in which some of these job cuts have been implemented, so people told to wait for an email um, to tell you whether you've got your job or not, or some people just simply locked out of their system, and that's that's how they find out that they've lost their job. Well, obviously, for for our members, we provide guidance, and and obviously they they have to comply with uh, the regulations um, within terms of notifying both the department, um, but also how they you know deal with their employees in in accordance with the regulations for redundancies here. So I think, you know, definitely we've seen obviously the, the example of the US um, and it's, it's it's slightly different here. Um, but that that's really important that, you know, from our perspective, that the integrity of the sector is maintained by, you know, absolutely supporting employees through um, a, a proper redundancy process. And, you know, that it, it's very clear marked in the legislation what they're required to do. We can support them with that. Um, but, you know, we definitely feel that, as a, as a reputational point of view, companies have to, you know, do this right. Yeah, it's pretty brutal though, isn't it? The tech sector is, is kind of known for that. It's pretty blunt. In certain jurisdictions, it's probably more so than, than maybe here because obviously we're, uh, you know, covered by European uh, regulation in terms of how, how, how these matters are dealt with. But definitely I think the, the examples are the, the kind of... Um, 
insights you can see from what's happened in the US. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously that's, from, from our perspective, it's not how you treat people. Okay. Una Fitzpatrick, thanks for joining us. No problem. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to John Moran and Una Fitzpatrick for joining me on the show. This episode was produced by Aideen Finnegan with JJ Vernon on sound. Thanks also to our sponsor EY for its continued support. Don't forget, as a subscriber to the Irish Times, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.